healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well by a Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello, and welcome to Valley Well Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. Today is Mother's Day, so I want to give a special shout-out to all the awesome moms out there. We hope you have an amazing day and are showered with lots of love. We have a very special Mother's Day show for you today. We're talking with three outstanding moms who are also doctors and nurses on the front lines of the battle against COVID-19. First up, we have Karen Garcia. She's a nurse at ValleyWise Health and also a dreamer. Karen, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So first of all, can you tell us what a dreamer is? Yeah, um, so a dreamer is um, a child that was brought into the country. Um, it might have been illegally or legally an overstayed visa, um, but as they got older, they didn't have a documented process here in the US. So um, through DACA, which is a deferred action uh, for minors, we were able to get a work permit to be able to um, work in the States. So I know not everyone is comfortable sharing that part of themselves. What made you want to, to talk about this? Um, I feel like we might see a lot of negativity on dreamers and not a lot of positivity coming um, out. And I just wanted to focus on dreamers and positive things that we're doing. And those of us that are especially in healthcare at the moment, we are not only dealing with um, the whole chaos and emotional stress at the job site, but outside of the job site as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know you speak Spanish and many of the patients at ValleyWise Health. I feel like being able to speak Spanish has definitely shifted things for these patients. Not only am I able to speak their language, but I understand a lot of the culture. Um, and that makes a big difference in the care that we're providing to them. Um, I've had many patients that when they see I speak Spanish, they just open up and are more willing to try things and be educated. And it definitely makes all the difference to them. And I feel like they leave the hospital being a little bit more educated about what they're going through and might have a better outcome with whatever they're dealing with. Absolutely. And I know you, you've said in the past, it's emotional right now. What's it like working on these units these days? It's very emotional. And I feel like not only, it's not a heavy duty that a lot of times we'll have because a lot of times it's just helping ICU nurses back and forth. And um, there's different dis job descriptions coming up and it's just at the end of the day, when you go home, you feel so heavy. Um, and I've talked to different nurses about this and it's like you go home and you just want to relax, but you just emotionally drained. Um, it feels like a lot of them are being, their sleep is being disturbed or they just, they feel anxious all the time, even when they might not have anxiety all day throughout their shift, but that's still like an emotional drainage that we're all going through. So um, it's been been tough. Not I haven't necessarily been on cases that are extreme and I haven't had to deal with patients passing away. But I do feel that just leaving there is very emotional. Well, it has to be emotionally draining because they're probably relying on you for a lot of support when um, they can't have as many visitors as they're used to having. Yeah. And 
I mean, how would you feel if you didn't speak the language and nobody around you understood you and your family can't visit and you're by yourself and you might or might not have a phone and you're just sitting in a room and not understanding what they're doing to you? It's very, very emotional, overwhelming, and just the whole environment feels very heavy. Absolutely. For those of you just tuning in, we are speaking with Karen Garcia. She's a nurse at Valleywise Health on the front lines uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Karen, what made you want to become a nurse? What made me become a nurse was um, as a child, this was our local community. Um, this was our local hospital. So in one of the instances, my mom had to come to the ER here. And one of the nurses was trying really, really hard to speak Spanish to her and understand what she was saying and trying to comfort her. Um, and I remember back then they didn't have as many translators. So I was translating or trying to translate. Um, and it was just a time where I was like, there there has to be a better way to help out. And I I saw the need for Hispanic nurses and Spanish speaking nurses. And that always stuck with me. And later on in life, I decided, what am I going to do with my life? And I was like, well, I'm going to become a nurse. So I saw the need for them. And that's when I decided to go through the whole nursing school. Um, and, you know, like every day I think about, like, does there ever come a time where I want to stop being a nurse? And I don't think I do. I've always liked helping others. Um, I am the type of person that will always put others before my own good. And I just feel like that's what being a nurse is all about. They always help eat others, even when they might be feeling like crying. They always put the like the strong front and just help people that need help. Absolutely. That's the spirit of a, a really good nurse is, you know, putting others before yourself. So uh, we appreciate all the work you and all the nurses are doing um, all over the country. Do, I mean, it's it's got to be really tough, especially now. Um, do you ever feel like you want to just run away? No, I, I don't feel like I want to run away ever. I feel like even in difficult moments, uh, maybe I'll I'll think about, okay, let me go for a run or let me go for a hike and kind of reset myself. But I know how much people are needing us right now. So I, I don't, I don't get that feeling. I'm always just thinking of what can I do to help? And I'm always trying to find other opportunities to, to help even when not at work. So no, I would have to say no. What do you think would surprise people about um, the work that you're doing or something that um, you want them to know that they might not realize? Um, I feel like people around me know that I work very, very hard, um, not only here, but at school. And, and um, I am part of an organization of Hispanic nurses that go out and educate the community. So I'm always doing something. Um, I don't necessarily get paid for it. I just feel like education is so important and to be there for the community is very, very important. Um, that's one of my passions, just educating others. And like, I want to get my master's so I'll be able to help even if everything is taken away, say DACA is taken away, I will always look for a way to help. Karen, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and everything you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate you. So now I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Kara Guerin. She's an attending physician in the emergency department at Valleywise Health and teaches the next generation of physicians. Thank you for speaking with us today, Dr. Guerin. Thank you for having me. So how has your life changed uh, from COVID-19? Uh, 
it right now it's changed pretty dramatically. Um, I had my first two patients that ended up having COVID on March 16th. Um, I came home, well, I called my family that evening um, or that, that day and said, uh, you know, it's here. I've seen it. Um, what are we going to do? And that's really when uh, it became real and we had to get a plan together. So I self-quarantined or self-isolated at my parents' house while um, my parents, my husband, my children were at our house. Um, about eight days later, when we were confident I didn't have symptoms, they went home. Um, my coworkers have been very supportive. I was able to change some shifts around. I spent some time with my family. And since then, I've been living um, at a hotel resort. Wow. Did you ever expect, you know, as a doctor that you would deal with something this big, this this global? I never really thought about it. Yeah, you know, we there's a lot of things in medicine that we think about. This was never something I really contemplated. When we had the Ebola scare, we thought and we prepared, but preparing and thinking about it in the medical sense is very different than thinking on about it on a personal level. And what am I going to do differently at home? So you, I mean, you're an emergency medicine physician. You see all sorts of things. How is COVID-19 different um, than some of the other cases that you've seen in your history? That's a great question uh, because I think there's so much that is unknown about COVID-19. So we know the typical symptoms, but there's so many other symptoms that are, I guess, atypical. You could call them atypical that could be COVID. Um, we always kind of jokingly, but in all seriousness, say, well, this could be COVID. Um, and a large part of it is there's many things that we can test for and find. And this is something we can't. We can't find it. Um, so we end up telling patients, well, I think this is what you have. So you need to go home and quarantine yourself for two weeks. And no one likes to hear that. Um, so it's it's a level of um, uncertainty for us and for the patient. It has to be frustrating on both sides because, you know, people have to understand this is all new to everybody. Yeah. Patients, especially now that testing has ramped up, I would say in the past week, much more than before, patients and providers alike were very, very frustrated. We felt, um, just as bad telling the patient that they couldn't get a test as the patient felt receiving it. And it, you know, the, the patient doesn't want to know about how the doctor feels about this. It's not, it's about the patient, but we always feel very bad when we can't do something for a patient that we want to do and that needs to be done. Absolutely. Of course. And I know you've been teaching and training residents um, and medical students for a long time. How, how do you think this will impact the next generation of healthcare providers? Do you think it will inspire more people to want to step up or will it scare people away? That's a great question because we talk about that pretty frequently. Medical student education um, has changed dramatically uh, from, I believe, the beginning of March. Medical students essentially have not been seeing patients largely because there's a concern about the amount of personal protective equipment and we want to make sure that we have plenty. Um so medical students are now learning online, which is not the best way to train your future doctors, but something that's needed. Residents have also changed 
to some degree, some rotations have been canceled because some are outpatient and there's just not a lot of outpatient traffic. Um, even in the emergency department, because there's simply not the same amount of patients to see, residents depend a lot on seeing numerous patients to learn. So that's been a problem, but it's also a learning curve. No one has ever been through this. And I hope that residents, resident physicians who are still learning, take something away from this and are able to teach all of us about resiliency and learning from uh, difficulties. Absolutely. For those of you just tuning in, we are speaking with Dr. Kara Guerin um, about being on the front lines of COVID-19. Um, we saw an interview with you on a news station a few weeks ago that you were living out of a hotel for the safety of your family. Is that still the case? Yeah, I am living um, in a resort. Um, Diamond Resorts uh, has numerous places and they are kind enough to put up first responders. And that is my plan for the current time. My parents are high risk. Uh, my husband is higher risk and I have two children and we know that they can be asymptomatic carriers. What I've learned is that the first two weeks went okay, but it is very difficult. Um, it's difficult for me, but it's most difficult for my family, especially my five-year-old daughter. She has, uh, she understands there's something changed in the world and she talks about the virus, but she doesn't understand why mommy can't come home. And it's heartbreaking. Um, and we're all going through difficult times. Everyone expresses it in different ways. Um, but five-year-olds are just learning how to talk um, and express themselves. So it's been a particular challenge. Absolutely. I mean, how hard is that as a mom to not be able to touch and hug and, you know, feel it, you know, the virtual connection can only go so far. Yeah, it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, for a while we were doing uh, FaceTime coloring dates and we would color together but it gradually got to the point where she didn't want to do that. She didn't want to talk to me on the phone and she would just cry. So we uh, I, I kind of out of desperation decided that uh, I would come to the backyard. Um, she noticed that, that sometimes groceries would show up at the front door and daddy hadn't gone grocery shopping. So she kind of put two and two together that mommy is around, but can't come into the house. So we colored together in the backyard, sitting six feet, of, six, six feet away. Um, and we rode bikes, but we, you know, I can't touch you. I'm sorry, honey. You're going to have to, you know, some independence, which is good. You're going to have to pick that up yourself. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. Wow. That's really hard. But you know what? Someday she's going to realize that you did it out of, you know, your love for her. And um, that'll be a story you guys will tell forever. And we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Um, how hard was it to make that decision to not only, you know, quarantine in your house away, but actually in a different, uh, completely different place? It was very difficult, but it was a family decision uh, because it was only going to work if um, the rest of the family was going to self-isolate. Um, and I felt that that was the decision of the people that are highest risk in my family. Um, so I don't want to force anything on anyone else. And I viewed I'm the person that had the highest risk and could introduce it into the family. But now almost the third week into it, we're finding out that um, it was a good short term solution. But this isn't uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So we're going to have to sort through how we get through the rest of the marathon. 
Absolutely. Well, I hope you can get back with them soon. And, you know, we can't tell you how much we appreciate everything you're doing and the sacrifices you're making. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. So our last guest is Heather Jordan. She's a nurse leader at Valleywise Health and vice president of acute and emergency services. Heather, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So how long have you worked at Valleywise Health? I have worked at Valleywise Health for almost eight years. The end of June will be eight years. Okay. And I know you have a lot of pride. You've always had a lot of pride in this organization and what we stand for and your your team members. How has that evolved or changed throughout this COVID process? The COVID pandemic being as scary as it is has really brought out the teamwork um, that I love so much about working here at Valleywise Health. Uh, I have, I've always said that all of our nurses who work here at Valleywise Health work here because they believe in our mission and they, this is where they really want to work. Um, this pandemic has really brought together different teams of people and has allowed different teams of people to work together um, in, to take care of patients in our COVID units. So we have had nurses and ancillary staff from departments who normally wouldn't work together, uh, who have been able to come together and really show very strong teamwork to be able to take care of patients. And um, that's one of the things that I have so much pride in from working here is just seeing that teamwork and everyone pulling together during a crisis to really uh, fulfill our mission and take care of our patients. That's so great to hear because even though we're social distancing, there's hundreds of us working from home, you know, we're following those restrictions. You're saying that people are actually becoming closer as a team than ever. Absolutely. We have, as I said, people working together in units where they normally would not work together. And we've had several of our staff members who are working in those areas say um, they don't know what they're going to do after this pandemic when they go back to working with the team they had worked with previously and they don't have all of this exposure to the other staff members who they've grown so close with during this pandemic. And people who just said, wow, I've worked here for years and I never knew some of these other people from these other departments uh, because you get so used to working in your area and taking care of your patients. And now we've really had the opportunity to add some extra people or some different people onto those teams. And the the way the teams have come together and really bonded is just amazing to see. That's so great to hear. So as a nurse leader, I know you're in a lot of those uh, meetings and conversations and planning. A lot of work is going on behind the scenes. Talk about what it takes to prepare the hospital and the healthcare system for this. A lot of work does go into it behind the scenes. Um, A lot of talk and preparation for surge planning and what we're going to do if we really see the volume of patients who were being seen in New York and Washington and other areas and how we can stretch our staff and and use extenders to um, supplement our our nursing care and people from different, um, people from different, Sorry, I can't think of the word okay. I'm trying to say. That's okay. Uh, can I start that one over? Yeah, totally. Okay. So can you ask the question one more time? I'm sorry. Um, just like what does it take? There's a lot of behind the scenes work. So what does it take to prepare the organization for a potential surge of COVID? Okay. So we did a lot of planning behind the scenes to 
determine um, what we needed for surge planning and how we could really pull together teams of people to best care for our patients. We had to move some of our departments around to open areas where we could care for COVID positive and PUI patients. Uh, we also had to do a lot of planning for how we could extend our resources and utilize staff from different disciplines to supplement our nursing staff so that we could provide the best care that we can for these patients. Um, when places see a, an increase in patients, especially very sick patients, the, the nursing staff and the, the medical staff can be stretched very thin. So we had to do a lot of resource planning to see how we could utilize staff from other areas to really supplement that staffing and, and continue the great level of care that we typically provide. So a lot of planning went into that, a lot of uh, resource planning and structure planning, as well as uh, working with our facilities team to make um, changes to our, our structure, our plant that we needed to make to take care of these patients. So um, really just a lot of teamwork and planning to make sure that nothing fell through the cracks and we had everyone covered um, with patient care, obviously, at the top of our, our list for um, making sure that we didn't lose anything when it came to patient care, that we were keeping our staff safe and just doing the best we could to plan for what was to come. As someone who's been a nurse for a long time and you're walking through the hall, seeing some of those more, um, you know, the newer nurses, um, how do you mentor them and sort of help them through this scary time? I do think it's a scary time for nurses who haven't been involved in a pandemic or haven't seen this level of sick, um, high acuity patients. And I think the best thing that we can do is just continually have not only leadership support, um, our leaders round continuously to make sure that our nurses feel supported, but also to really engage our nurses who have been here, our more experienced nurses, to just provide um, constant reassurance and mentoring to those newer nurses and just to let them know that we're all in this together. We're not asking them to do anything that we wouldn't do and that we're always here to help them. So I think just um, constant mentoring, constant leadership being around and just really trying to let them know that they're supported in what they're doing. And we're trying to provide the best education and information to them that we can throughout this entire pandemic. So we're talking with nurse leader Heather Jordan about a COVID response. Um, you, you know, you said it is a scary time for everyone, especially nurses on the front lines. What keeps you up at night? I think right now what keeps me up at night is just making sure that our nurses and our all of our staff here at Valleywise are safe and that they have the equipment that we have that they have um, ongoing. We have not had any equipment shortages or PPE shortages, um, but just making sure that that continues as we move forward. One of the other things I, I think that would that keeps me up at night is just trying to make sure that our staff really feel that support from our leadership team and that they feel like we're giving them the best materials, the best education, the best support that we can give them. I think one of the other things that keeps me up is just knowing all the families who are dealing with this crisis and and the families at home who have their loved one in the hospital that they, they're not able to see them or to know how they're doing other than phone calls from the medical staff. And unfortunately, we do have um, patients who are in the hospital who are very sick that may be facing an end of the life, end of life scenario. And knowing that they're here in the hospital alone um, is something that it's hard, especially being a nurse and wanting to always provide that that 
loving care to your patients. So I think that's one of the things that I struggle with and just hoping that our nurses are um, continually doing what they can for those patients, especially in those last moments when family can't be here and, and really wanting to make sure that we're giving them the best care, not only medical care, but the best support and emotional care that we can during this difficult time. Heather, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. If you still need healthcare and need to make an appointment, you can always call us. We have in-person visits as well as telehealth visits um, via phone or video if you don't necessarily need to come in person. You can make an appointment with us by calling 833-855-9973 or you can book an appointment online at valleywisehealth.org. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well via Salute a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you've heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our healthcare providers, and you can even book an appointment at a ValleyWise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.